Welcome to Pastor Potluck. I'm Court Green. And I'm Erin Yao. And today we are running a new microphone setup so things could get weird. And it may be weird if you're listening in stereo, like in AirPods or whatever. Are they AirPods or the AirBuds? I don't know. I don't have either. If you're listening with both ears, it could get a little crazy because the way I have to set it up is that one of our microphones is right and one of them is left. It's like everything's political now. Anyway, so Aaron and I are here for Pastor Potluck, and we are today going to be in Isaiah. But first, what's going on in your life? How was Thanksgiving, et cetera, et cetera? At this point in the recording, Aaron's mic died. And so you are not going to get to hear about her Thanksgiving. And to be fair, I won't tell you about mine either. We're going to edit those things out. I apologize. Technical difficulties. Back to the program. And so I hope that all of our listeners had a happy Thanksgiving. So I'm going to say something else about our setup. Because we're using two different microphones and we're not on a sound stage, we're across the room from each other. So I keep having this temptation to like get away from the mic so Aaron can speak, yeah. but she's over there and she's got a microphone clipped to her, but I keep forgetting that. Yeah. So I'm going to do weird things. That's not, not, creepy not things. unusual for you. Yeah. yeah. Creepy. Is creepy unusual or, is, or am I generally creepy? Uh, I don't think you're generally creepy. I might be accidentally creepy sometimes. Yeah. And anyway, <laughs> aren't we all? We digress. Yeah. So, all right. So we are, uh, this is a, sh- a show that focuses on the lectionary so we should probably get to that yes. as we talk about thanksgiving the obvious next move is to head towards christmas this week is the first sunday of advent and this is one of the readings in fact it's the one i'm going to be preaching from have you ever did you figure out which one you're going to i'm preaching from mark because i decided that be earlier in the week and then bulletins were printed it's i mean i guess i could dip. change it do you ever change it once the bulletin's printed? I have. I have Maybe too. once or twice here. And every time I do it, I look at Susan, who's actually, you can probably I can hear, hear her printing running. bulletins yes. right now. And I'm, I'm just, I just look at her with an I'm sorry kind of look yeah. while I'm reading the wrong right. stuff. <laughs> because I think they, they get concerned like, oh, did I mess up? Yeah, but <laughs> the best thing to do when you know I'm calling audible here, mm-hmm. fall on the sword on the stage. Yeah. Just tell everybody, don't come to Susan saying, hey, you made a mistake or whoever your Susan is. Don't say, hey, you printed the bulletin wrong. That was on me. Right. And so I think, I hope she appreciates it. If not, yeah. I'm just wasting my breath. <laughs> But the, the one I'm going to be preaching on is Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. And I chose it because I think it's a good way to start off Advent. Because it's not very Christmassy. Right. But it does highlight this divine human relationship. Mm. I think in a wonderful way. Do you want to read it? Yes, I'd love to read it. I would actually. love for you to read it. Oh, that would be great. So it's Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. 
From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, you are our potter, we are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. Thus endeth the reading. I was almost going to say that. I was gonna, <laughs> I was going to say ends, though, not endeth. You know what I love about when you read? What? I don't have to edit. Because oh. you get it right the first time. It's unusual. And wow. I was actually thinking as I read it, like, oh, oh you don't nervous mess as you got up, to the don't end. mess up. <laughs> <laughs> so what I love about this is, well, a lot. First, there's a lot of little hidden Easter eggs for theolo- theology nerds like I am. Mm. Um, like the questions you shouldn't ask, the things I wouldn't say from the pulpit, those kind of things. There, there's a lot of that in here. But macro view what i love about it is this amazing spotlight on the divine human relationship which most i don't want to say most but a lot of christians today think started at easter Mm. but it's all here um there's this longing from verse one to see god's presence which which alludes to the fact that Whoever is writing feels distant from God, which later it just straight up says it. Yeah. You have hidden yourself. There's this yearning to see God move. Mm-hmm. There's um, a reflection on what God has done, like verse 4, from ages past, no one has heard or heard, blah, 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 blah. Um, there's an expectation in verse 5 that we have a role in what God does. Mm. And so it's just all here. It's like the one-stop yeah. shop for the divine human relationship, which is something that I think sorely we don't get a lot of. We get, especially this time of year. It's yeah. all about what God what, is doing. The God side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think it is beautiful that you know the first few verses are that longing for God to come and to act, which implies that God has before. Because, you know, if you're longing for God to come tear down the heavens and mountains to quake at your presence, it implies that they've seen God do awesome things before. Yeah. It, it's hard to to long for, and especially to write it down, something that you think can't happen. Right. You know, I, I don't sit up at night longing to be able to levitate because i i can't do it (laughs) right and so that that even in this in this hope that something that seems out of the realm of possibility might happen 
there's an assumption that it will. Right. There's there's almost a promise. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's not a promise, but it's like the promise of hope. I don't know. It's just, I, I just love it. I think the Old Testament is better at giving us windows into the human soul mm. where it comes to the relationship with God. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, it's so much more poetic, I think, than the New Testament. I'm trying to think if I can find a place where the New, the Testament, New Testament is really, poetic. really poetic. I'm sure it exists, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. There's some of it in Revelation. Yeah. Uh, Mary's song. Uh-huh. Which which seems a lot like this, though. Yes. You're yearning Come for God act. to act and bring justice. Yes. But we also have to be careful for what we wish for. Mm-hmm. I think that we hear a lot, and we were talking about Mark's verses and you're preaching from them. I am. I'm curious to know how you're going to go with them. but I don't know yet. We can come, we can come <laughs> back to that. Um, you often hear people wanting to hasten the quote-unquote end of time, although mm-hmm. that's not a thing. Time doesn't end. But uh, the end of days or whatever, the last days. And I often think, like, do they know what they're saying? Like, why do you want that? Yeah. If you're going to, if you want God to act, do you really want God to act how God chooses to act? Or do you want God to act if it's in your benefit? If, it, if you have some control over how God acts? Right. Because it seems to me like they're looking at this and they're longing for God to do something. Mm-hmm. But they don't necessarily get to control what God does. Yeah. I mean, this is a God who, verse 2, is the presence of God is as a fire kindles brushwood. In other words, all-consuming. no control. Yeah, yeah. If you're brushwood, that's not good. No. Right? Um, and so do we, when we think that we long to see God act do we really or do we want God to come and be our wish granter yeah I think it depends on the person and where they are in their life and their faith journey um but I would say a lot of times we want God to act like we want God to act yeah (laughs) and that brings me to verse five you meet those gladly who do right and those who remember you in, in your ways, but you were angry and we sinned because you hid yourself and we, we transgressed. Mm-hmm. I'll come to the second sentence later, but we assume that we are <laughs> the people who do right. Yes. I mean, always, I think almost always when we read and hear scripture, we put ourselves in the position of the person doing the right thing. The righteous. Yes. As opposed to the wrongous. Right. Which I stole from tv show called moral oral anyway um we so we we put on our our righteous hats and make that assumption but what if when god acts is to correct us Mm. can we deal with that we have a hard time with that i had a conversation with some folks last night in bible study about the role of confession in our life and we talked about of you know, how we're not like the Catholics. They don't need to come and confess to me. But I do think that it's important that we examine ourselves and confess to God. Mm-hmm. And 
my experience is that folks are kind of used to that during Lent, but they avoid it during this time before Christmas. Because this is just about celebration of what God does for us. Yes. I've never thought about it like that. Because, I mean, we're Baptists. We don't confess a thing. No. Right? (laughs) You just hide it. (laughs) I confess how good I am. Well, and Methodists aren't great about that either. Like, I was thinking about it because we we celebrate Holy Communion on the first Sunday of the month. So we'll have it this week. And I realized I don't have a prayer confession in the worship service. Do you usually? Usually I try to put one in, especially if we're celebrating communion. Because you're a better preacher than I am. No. That's why. (laughs) I would not say that. Because I don't do that. Well, I... I value those kinds of liturgies and acknowledgments and, you know, let's, as a community, name the reality of our human condition. Not that we wallow in it, but... I think that's a good distinction. Yeah. Because it's easy to beat up on yourself. I also value it, but I'm not very good at, at like, building a service around it or Mm -hmm. even including it in services. And... Um, so because I'm not good at it, why don't we talk about what the value is in confessing and seeing ourselves for who we really are instead Mm -hmm. of who we think we are. Mm. What, and where is the line between the value of confession and Mm self-flagellation where we beat the crap out of ourselves because we're not perfect, which I do a lot. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. So that we're confessing right now. <laughs> we are. <laughs> well, I think it's important to see ourselves as God sees us. And God... As far as we can. Yes. Yeah. I mean, clearly, we're never going to see ourselves as clearly as God does. But to recognize that our faults and our merits, um, I, just, I think it's important. I don't know how to put it into words. Well, I'm just trying to think as a community. Mm -hmm. Realizing we're not perfect could challenge us to strive to do better. Yeah. But it it also, without chastising someone for arrogance, reminds us to be humble. Yeah. And I think that as a community now, individually, yeah, but... Certainly as a community, we tend to get what people agree with us and and make echo chambers mm-hmm. and start thinking we're better than others. And this is a way to remind us as a community that we are not perfect. Yes. And that we all need grace. Mm-hmm. That's why we're here. And I think confession gives us the opportunity to extend and to receive grace. Yeah, I agree. And I'm just... I'm. Again, confessing that I wish that I had made that. You you were mid-sentence. I'm sorry. Um, I don't remember now. <laughs> Extend and receive grace. Extend and receive grace. And, oh, and it opens up the opportunity for closer relationship. Good point. How? Well, there's something vulnerable about confessing. Which, I mean, for me as a pastor, is scary mm-hmm. to get real with people. And I don't, 
I certainly don't air all my stuff, but I think to admit mistakes and you know, to say I could have done this differently is acknowledging that I'm a human being. I ask for your forgiveness and your grace yeah. as a community and hope that, and, and I offer forgiveness too. So it's a playing field leveler. Yes. We're all on one level. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're not on a pedestal, neither are they. Mm-hmm. So I hate to use us and them terms, but it's kind of what we're doing here. Yeah. But I, I think I can see that. Well, actually, I know I can. And so I'm glad you brought it up. I don't remember how we got on confession. Oh, because we assume that we're the ones that are right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, talking about seeing people as God does to the best of our ability, the the thing in my life that helps me the most, I think, and this is just me, but the thing that, that reminds me that God sees people differently than people see people is dogs and their relationship <laughs> with humanity. And I know that seems crazy, but I'll give you a story. So I mentioned Gideon shot a deer over Thanksgiving. Actually shot two. Well, the second one, he hit it in the vitals. It was, a, technically speaking, a good shot, mm-hmm. but it ran a long way. It was a liver shot. It ran yeah. a long way. So we go and tra- track this thing, and I'm a pretty good tracker, but it was getting late. He was starving. Yeah. It's like a lo- like 10 o'clock at night at this oh. point. Yeah, it's been three hours since he shot. And so I send him to go get some Thanksgiving leftovers, and, oh, no, this is Wednesday. They weren't Thanksgiving leftovers. <laughs> they were pizza leftovers. Anyway, you know, the important parts of the story. So I send him to get some food and then go to bed. And then I am like, I'm going to, I train all three of our dogs mm. to trail shot animals, right? It's like their role. They have multiple roles. Every dog needs a job. Mine have multiple, except Harrison, because he's just spoiled. But <laughs> all three of them are trained to do that. And when I look, you know, I, I, I go into the place we were staying and I'm, they're all three right there. It's like you have a choice to make. You're in a spot. It's been three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Which one of you do I trust the most with this task? So I grab up the one who I don't say that I have favorites, but she's my favorite, <laughs> uh, Jolene. And I leash her up, and she's done in five minutes. Like wow. five to ten minutes, she's found this thing just right to it. Um, that would have taken us. Maybe never would have found mm-hmm. it. But – my point in all this is when I when looking at all three dogs, I can see their strengths. I can see their weaknesses, mm-hmm. whether other people can or not. Mm. I can see how useful are they to me. And it may not be like Harrison, the beagle. He may think that being cuddly is the most useful thing to a human in the <laughs> yes. world. Well, maybe to Christy, but not to me, right. you know, right now I need to find this deer. Um, and so I think that God may, I'm not saying that humans are like dogs, but I think God may look at us in a surprising way versus what we expect. Mm. We may think, well, I, I'm very successful and therefore God must really love me. Yeah. But that's stupid. That is. That's, that's <laughs> prosperity gospel bullcrap. Um, whereas, or others may say, well, I'm the most pious. Mm. Well, you can afford to be. Um, I, I think 
whatever, however it is that God looks at us, is probably not something we could even understand. Yeah. Just like the dogs can't understand when I'm looking at them, what I'm evaluating, yeah. etc. So maybe some humility is in order. Yes. And maybe some confession is in order because try as we may, even if we think in our standards that we're getting things perfectly, we're probably not. Right. No. And this is a wonderful reminder of that. Mm-hmm. That's a really long way to say that. Long <laughs> yes. Have some humility. That's what I do, man. I'm a preacher. I feel time. <laughs> there you go. That was good. <laughs> Where are we? I said uh, I was going to come back to something. Come okay. Oh. You were angry and we sinned. Why did we sin? Yes. Did, did you catch why we sinned? I haven't read it yet. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. So whose fault is it that we sinned? It's God's. Of course. Of course. Because it can't be ours. Yes. So I don't think that uh, Isaiah is intentionally making that point, but I do think that we do that a lot. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we probably wouldn't come out and overtly do it. We would probably use another character, mm-hmm. the, the anti-God, who is? Satan. Yeah, same letters <laughs> as Santa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But we, we gotta we, blame it on something. We gotta br- blame something supernatural, right? Right. Because it can't be us. Um, and so I'm glad this is in there because it's honest, even if it doesn't mean to be. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me. It, it it's another thing that humbles us. It reminds me that I can't get it right, but also that I don't have anybody else to blame when I do get it wrong. Mm. Yeah, that's a hard lesson to. It's easier to blame other people. Who do you blame? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm not going to confess that on okay, the air. Okay, fine. All right. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Um, I just thought it would be a fun question. And I'll be honest, like here lately, I, I, I find myself being more introspective mm-hmm. and thinking through, okay, where's my own junk coming out? Do you find that the longer you're out of church, the more free you are to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, you know, if they were going to fire me, they'd have done it by now. Mm. Kind of deal. Yeah. Granted, I haven't been here super long. Maybe I should shut my mouth. But <laughs> this is the longest I've been anywhere. Uh, and seeing the United Methodist Church, we can say things and just say, well, I'll move. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I shouldn't say church. I should say district for yeah. you. Because your overlords are different from mine. But yes. Anyway, I, I just I think that it we should be introspective and and we should be more willing to call ourselves out. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do, it not is. only because it's hard to face, but it's hard to even see. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to make excuses for myself. Yeah. While at the same time beating myself up, mm-hmm. but it's like I beat myself up for the things I can fix, but. I just excuse away the things I either can't or don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. That's just me, though. Don't want to fix is a good um, distinction there. Why is that? <laughs> because I think that it, there are things that all of us, myself included, could fix or change, but you have to want to. Mm. I'm going to opt out of that. Yeah. I'm actually trying to sit here and think of what are some good examples that I could share on air. And I, I know. I, I, I don't want to share any. any of this yeah. on air. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just move on. Yep. Yeah. 
All right, so I think the critical point is that uh, we need to be humble and realize that there are some things that we can change that we need to stop looking for people to blame other than ourselves Mm -hmm. because in a way when we do that we're probably blaming God. It goes on. um, At the end, to say, yet, O oh Lord. So there's there's this list of transgressions, and God feels different. I'm sorry, feels distant. And then in verse seven, no, in verse eight, yet, O oh Lord, you're our Father. Mm. So no matter what has happened between creation and now, no matter how many times we've pulled away or you've pulled away, you're still our Father. And there's something beautiful about that. Yeah. Because, Aaron, the way I read it, it means no matter what you've done, Mm -hmm. no matter how wrong some finger pointer thinks it is, so what? God's still your father. That's pretty amazing. That is amazing. And I definitely teach that. I, I got to teach confirmation this fall and that was the main point I wanted to drive home with these young people is that there is nothing you can do in God that would make God not love you. So Hitler? Well, God may be very disappointed and not happy with you. Good response. <laughs> but God still you're still God's child. I, I, I was talking to Ezra every night. He didn't talk back. Mm-mm. And uh, Ezra's my one-year-old. And I tell him that I'll love him forever. And I shared Wednesday that then I get a little stupid with that. But um, I mean it. And yeah. it's, it's not that I don't think I can be disappointed in him. I can. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, later... You know, if he decides he's going to be a racist or if he decides he's going to be an axe murderer or whatever. But I just don't think, I think as long as I'm still his father, there's always going to be love there. Yeah. And I don't think that we should not try to do well and not try to please our father, heavenly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is comforting to know that no matter how far we get off course, God still loves us. Now, as image bearers of our father, mm. Shouldn't we afford the same grace to people? Yes. Or am I just misreading that? No, I agree. Do we? That is uh, really ask hard. That I'm sorry I put you on the spot. Do I? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I should. Yeah. Maybe that's one of those things that I don't want to change that yes. I should change. But I don't enough mm-hmm. afford grace to people. Yeah. I'm working on it. <laughs> it sounds like I'm yelling at you. I know. I mean, well, no, I don't think so. I think it's just, it's a tough topic. And I think it calls for us to be real and to examine ourselves. So um, we get this freeing understanding that no matter how far we go, God is our is our father. Mm-hmm. And then it's coupled after the semicolon with we are the clay and you are the potter. In other words, we don't shape God. Mm. God shapes us. Mm. Someone once said, you have created God in your image when God hates the same people you have. Yeah. 
I don't know why. I, I think I just thought of that because you well, that's talked where about not shaping God. Yeah, we we try to shape God, mm-hmm. and I don't think we can help it. I think yeah. we all do it. Yeah. Um, Albert Schweitzer, one of Thank my you. favorites, he said that you can't. It's impossible to construct who the historical Jesus was without making him, you know, a German in the 18th century, <laughs> 1800s, because that's what Albert Schweitzer was. Yeah. Um, and or was it 1900s? It was both. He straddled them. Anyway, um, so I'm butchering the quest for the historical Jesus, but essentially, you can't you can't cre- come up with who Jesus was without defining him as yourself mm-hmm. and i think we do that with with god the father as well yeah i think the spirit kind of gets a pass it's kind of <laughs> just so out there yeah no but, one really knows what yeah. the spirit is yeah i went to a, a youth conference when i was a youth minister guy and gatorade had that is it in you uh, slogan and uh-huh. so they they of course did what all christians do and they they completely ripped off somebody's work yeah and um what do they? What do you call that? Not plagiarism, but what is it? I was Copyright infringement. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just ripped it off, and so they said, "Holy Spirit, is it in you?" Fine, but then on the first night of the conference, after they had been wearing these T-shirts around all the kids, somebody—in other words, somebody got called out for it by mm. somebody—and so the, like the the leader of the thing comes out on the stage and says, "Oh, we're sorry." It was a typo. We meant to write, is he in you? Which sounds a little uh. rapey. But is is he in you? Because we know that God's got to be a, a, a him and not a it. I was like, oh. ah! That was the last time we went to that. Uh, um, no. I don't know why I got off on that tangent. But, yeah, the spirit's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but God the Father and God the Son, we, we kind of always recreate them to look like us. Yeah. Do you ever are you ever tempted to make God the mother? Oh yeah, and so I mean, I. there's I valid imagery in Scripture for that. Can't be, because God is of course <laughs> a white man, a white male yeah. with a long flowing beard, of Michelangelo. Course. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so or was it Da Vinci? I don't know. Whoever did the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo did David. I think I don't. Know. Is that gonna be the thing that drives us crazy this time? Probably. Probably. But I'm not. I'm not gonna look it up. You might, but I'm not going to. I'm going to. Anyway, um, so what does God look like in a male imagery versus God in a as a female? Or it was Michelangelo. I was right the first time. Yay. (laughs) Um, God. A it's a cr- trick question. I'm coming back to the to the the punchline later. Well, any answer that I feel like most of us would give would be signing our gender stereotypes to God. Probably true. That's why the the punchline is that the answer is both. I mean, yeah. if we are if both of our binary whatever cisgender mm-hmm. attributes, if that's even a thing, uh, if 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 both genders are represented in those who are the image of God, then God must have both. Yeah. So, there you go. God's, there you go. God's everything. Yeah. Which makes it impossible, it impossible for us to shape God. So, moral of the story, stop trying. <laughs> and verse 9, do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord. Do not remember iniquity forever. 
now consider we are all your people. I just think that is a uh, catch-all verse. Now consider we are all your people. There is something beautiful about that, though. Yeah. It's not just Christians. Mm -mm. It's not just white folk. Nope. It is Americans, though. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Years ago, I went to an adult Bible study. I'm so glad you said Bible study. I thought you were going to well, say bookstore. Go yeah, ahead. <laughs> Bible study. Um, Sunday school class at a church that I was serving, and um, somehow they were talking about the who was chosen, and they said, well, you know, clearly we're chosen in the U.S. Because? It, I don't know. Because we're a Christian nation. And I, I just thought, well, the scripture is not talking about the United States because it, it was is. not created no, then. it was. It's was preexistent. <laughs> oh, boy. It just took us until 1776 to realize it. Yes. You know what sucks about being born when we, when we were? Um, I mean, around about, about the same time. We missed the bicentennial. Yeah. And we'll be dead probably before. You probably won't. You're healthy. But for the tricentennial, if America makes it that far. <laughs> I would be like 90. I can't do math. 97. All right. So I was born <laughs> five years after 76, which means I would be 95. I would be 97. Now you just told your age. Yeah. What the heck? Is that right? I can't do I can math. edit it out. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, we've gotten too much banter going now. All right, so that's the last verse, and it ends with this reminder. I'll bring us back to it. You've already said it, that we are all your people. Hmm. So it's like it's like a reminder that we belong to God, but it's also a reminder that we ain't the only ones that yeah. God cares about. Um, and once again, it's a humbling reminder that we need because it's so easy to just see the world with blinders on and only see the, you know, southeastern mountain town in the United mm. States. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think it's easy to become bogged down with your own situation in life mm -hmm. and um, circle the wagons and <laughs> all that. So where's where's the hope in this? So we have... God for all people. Mm -hmm. We have that we don't get to shape God, but we also don't have the responsibility of being God. That's big. It is because we're not the potters; we're the clay. Yeah. And the relationship is always there because because we are not God, and <laughs> God. God will always be our Father. heavenly Father. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's a lot of hope, even though it sounds harsh and rebuking. It it, it is hope. Hokey, no, hopeful, hopeful, uh, and and it seems to have a promise because as long as an eternal God is our heavenly Father, then we are accepted, even if we are what we would define as unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So I just wish that the rest of the world looked like this. Yeah, uh, including mine. I shouldn't say the rest of the world. I wish the world that we know today, mm -hmm. beyond these scriptures, looked like this. And I feel like. Maybe I'm not doing my job because it doesn't. Mm. You ever you ever feel like that? Yes. I mean, as as a human being, mm -hmm. not, not as not a as preacher. A pastor, but yeah. yeah, we need to stop. Like, we need to agree that on Pastor Potluck, we'll stop using the title pastor. Yeah. Because we all <laughs> the same, pastor, right? But, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. 
All right, well, we're heading into the Christmas season, so hopefully we'll be able to do this more, but we also know how busy pastor schedules are. And um, so maybe, maybe one or two more between Christmas. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, that is, that is not a very committed maybe. <laughs> yeah. That's a maybe that you get from your parents. Uh, <laughs> can I go? Which my kids always take as yes. <laughs> really? Yeah. My, when I was a kid, I don't give my son that can talk him maybe uh-huh. i'm just like yeah or no you deal with it but um no when i was a kid maybe always meant no oh. maybe it was a way to shut me up until <laughs> the no could come so. all right for pastor potluck i'm court green and i'm aaron Yao. and i hope that we'll be seeing you or heard by you again between now and christmas and if not merry christmas and have a great advent